Hello and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online services. We are so excited to have you here today. Please be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And if you wanna watch this message again or some of our other messages, you can always look us up on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the service. What a great message last week, Pastor Dylan brought. For any of you that were here or watching online, that despair is a neighborhood to drive through, not a neighborhood to pull in and build your home in that place. And if you're going to be in that place, better to be in the house of the Lord. I just don't think I'll ever forget that. It was absolutely awesome. And he just disappeared. He's gone. I'm always bragging on him, and he's not around to hear these moments. Uh, also, I, I'm curious if any of you have had the same experience when we do communion, you can't get the bread. Anybody raise your hand if you've had that experience. We see those hands. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, there's an art to it, but we won't hold it against you if you have to bring in a blade on Sunday morning to cut at it. And uh, unbelievable. But you're not alone. Hun, you're not alone. And uh, we'll figure that out before Jesus comes back. I also want to say thank you so much to Janice, who was up here singing. I don't know if you caught it, but she was hitting some high pitches, and that girl can sing. And my understanding is that uh, her mom, Shatrina, and James, her dad, James, are here. Are you here this morning? If you could just wave. You're right in the front row. Thank you so much for joining us. Your daughter is a tremendous blessing, and this was the first week I got to hear her sing and I'm just blown away. You must have been working on her from birth, right from the beginning. She, she's just, uh, I, I, I turned to her and I just, she just said to us, she said, I feel so loved here. And uh, I, I can't take credit for it. It's actually so many of you that are just authentically yourselves. And um, while I'm on a roll here with, with compliments, I, I just, so many of you are part of this church and so many times as a pastor you feel the responsibility to make everyone feel grounded and rooted and at home and it's just it's just impossible to do that and um i think in terms of for instance uh mary evelyn and the Cesar family and and weston and all of you here and i'm like oh are there kids you know feeling at home do you know i was asking her before in service and she she leads worship each week just absolutely awesome and uh, I, I was like, do you need anything? Do you need a pony? Like, anything we can get you. Um, she's like, no, I'm good. And I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart that if anything, our hope and desire is, is that you'd feel uh, rooted and loved. I had a friend of mine once say this. He said, you know, Paul, the thing about people is this. We all mean well, but the truth is, is that we're never there when people really need us, and when they don't need us, we're there. You ever notice your friends are like, you ever need anything? And then that moment happens, and it's like, you're just, where'd they go? And, and that's because at the end of the day, the Lord is our home. He is our harbor, and, but God uses people. And uh, sometimes it doesn't have to be just grounded, dependent on one or two people, but God uses all of us. And if COVID has shown us anything, uh, here, I think it's that we, how, how important social community connection is. My encouragement to you is this, and it still stands for the year into 2022 and beyond, is that you need to find someone here 
You need to take them out to coffee. You need to be vulnerable and just share your story. Share your story. That's how we overcome. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Yep, we overcome by what Jesus did for us on the cross, but, but also through the word of our testimony. And it's your story to share. And each time we share it, I think that God strengthens us and reminds us of what he's done for us. And that gives us hope for what he can still do for us. And, and so today, as we take a look into our series on the Gospel of Luke, I want to talk with you today about what happens when your plan A is really God's plan B. You, every single one of you here, I, I, I'd like to ask if, if any of you are a controlling individual. If you would just raise your hands here this morning. Come on. I see those hands. Thank you. Praise God. Shame the devil. I can't believe I got you guys to do that. How many of you do time in prison? Raise your hand this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I think the truth is, is that human, it's human nature to want to control the outcome. And it's good to have a plan, but there's this saying in, in fighting that says everybody's got a plan until they've been hit. What do you do when your plan A actually isn't what God has chosen and plan B was where he was at all along. I think it's what Mary did. She lifted her heart, dropped her tears, and she said, Lord, I'm your servant. May everything you say happen the way that you've proclaimed it. And so if you'd pray with me, we're going to take a look at the birth of Jesus foretold in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, but I want to pray before we do that. God, what we have to hear here this morning is too important for somebody to deliver it or not be able to. I, I just need you to breathe on this word this morning. I need you to, to drop the walls in our heart and raise the openness. Give us a heart to hear from you through your word and your truth today that we would be more like Jesus. We would be more willing to do what you have. And we wouldn't say, Lord, your will be changed. We'd say your will be done on earth in our life as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you, if you're watching online or if you're here and you have a physical Bible, to turn to page 2058. Just kidding. If you turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 26. I'd also encourage you, if you have it digitally on your phone, to take a look at it. I have a challenge out uh, to the children's ministry right now, and that's that they would begin to have, like, what we call, we call them sword drills, because this is the sword of the Spirit, right? The, the Word of God. And so we said to him, I want you to be able, within about three months, to have every kid in kids' church, if I say, turn to the book of Luke, ready, go. They'd take a Bible and just go... And we're going to put a couple of you adults against them just to see how sharp you are with, yeah. And so I'm going to enjoy that. It's always like, isn't it? It's just like getting roasted by a kid. It's an awesome experience. <laughs> but today, in all seriousness, uh, if you turn to Luke, I'm going to start reading it here in 26. We have it online, so you can follow along that way too. But then nothing equals being able to do it. Thank you so much, media team up there, for everything that you do. Awesome. Here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And Mary's, uh, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and gr said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Everybody said amen to that. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And here's what I want to focus on. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, there are only two Gospels that have any story of Jesus' birth. It's Matthew and Luke. Matthew, we know, was an, he was one of the original disciples. But Luke, Luke is not one of the original disciples. In fact, he's the right-hand man of Paul the Apostle. He's, he's actually not even a Jew. He's a Gentile. He, he's not just a Gentile, but he's an educated Gentile. He went to medical school, and we know that he's a doctor. And you might be sitting here today saying, you know what, I have a... I have a a desire in my heart to serve God and to do ministry, and you might have followed a career and a path. I think Luke shows us that God can do more with our life, not just simply because of the track of our college, but, but by our availability to him. And Luke actually, as a precursor here, makes a great point to what we're talking about, is, is that we have, we have plans, and sometimes God shows up and he throws this plan B, which is really God's plan A, and he flips everything, and, and we think that we're missing out on something. We think that we're missing the moment that God had for us. We're missing our mark. You know, I, I don't think anybody wants to come in last. I don't think anybody wants to be mediocre at anything. In fact, I think some of us avoid joining, you know, doing things because we're afraid we, that's what'll happen is, is we won't do great at it. And so we kind of, we just kind of shrink back and Luke he was all about planting churches all over the world. Paul and him had successfully gone places nobody had gone before. And now in the book of Acts, this author of this gospel is in Jerusalem with Paul. He gets arrested and he's thrown in prison for two years. I bet you at that moment, Paul was saying to him, uh, that Luke was saying to himself, we got to get out of here. We've got work to do. God has a plan for us. This is interrupting the plan. And little did Luke know that all along, plan B was actually God's plan A. And why would I say that? And this, this is just, just to understand the gospel writer here before we talk about Mary is this, is that most people say that the apostle Paul wrote more than anyone else in the Bible in the New Testament. He didn't. It was actually Luke. Luke wrote his gospel in the book of Acts. 
And those two years that Paul was in prison, Luke said, I'm not going to pass the time. Let me redeem it. Give me that pen. He was, in, he was in the city of, he was in the country of Israel, so he was going to Jerusalem. There's a reason why Luke's gospel has the nativity and it has the, these intimate moments that Luke kind of, ref, that Mark, Matthew refers to, but Luke really gets in there with this intimate moment because I believe he's talking directly to Mary. I believe he's talking directly to James, the brother of Jesus. He's going to Jerusalem. He's asking. He's got this window of opportunity, and he's making the most of it. And if you were to ask Luke, Luke, what, what, what was your life like? He'd be like, man, Paul and I, we got together, and we went around the world. We traveled. We almost were shipwrecked. We saw miracles. People were experiencing revival. God was doing all kinds of great things. And you were to ask Luke, what was his greatest contribution to this world and to this life? He wouldn't point to those two years in these two books. He most likely would have pointed to those 200 churches and those 2,000 believers that they started a fire that didn't stop for thousands of years. But sometimes, plan B is actually God's plan A. We wouldn't have what we have here today had Luke not engaged God in plan B when it showed up. And I don't, I don't know, I can only speak for myself, I think everybody, to some degree, you can't go through life without some kind of plan. But the truth of the matter is is that you have to be flexible. Otherwise, the world is filled with people who have a plan, and if people get in their way, they they just demolish them in the process. The world is filled with people, when they have a plan, they lose touch of what's important, and really, we love people, and we use goals. We don't use people to accomplish goals. Maybe you're more like me, who's less of that kind of like, I've just got to accomplish all kinds of things, and you're walking your path, and I'm really just kind of afraid of things getting out of control and my life not being the best that it could be, and I need to do something, and so I put a plan together Maybe you're like me. Sometimes that plan is a little bit half-baked, but you're just like, I can't just let anything happen. I need to do something. If you were a bride and you're here, and you think back to your wedding day, um, reality TV shows were on it. They used to have the show called Bridezilla. I don't know if you've ever seen that, right? Bridezilla is like this, like, out-of-control girl that, like, princess for a day in debt for a lifetime kind of a experience. <laughs> and so they, they, they make all, but, but here's the thing. When you think about Mary, the Bible says that she was betrothed. Look at this. It says that she is, she's virgin. She's a pure girl. This, by the way, can I poise and note here? It's hard to find a pure young lady in, ch- in school. So now it's getting even difficult to find a pure young woman in church. That's to be respected, if I could say that. And I know that God restores purity to all of us. And myself, and along with many of you here, you're recipients of the reception of that purity. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pause and respect this young woman for having walked straight in a crooked world. And we should be encouraging and inspiring our young people who are up there with with, uh, Pastor Dylan and Sam and the crew right now to walk, our, our job's helpful, but yours as parents are crucial 
to always put before that, that truth that God has. And listen, God's a redeeming God. It doesn't mean that it's perfect. Mary is, is an incredible exception. And what I'd like to tell you is, is that God didn't choose her, and that's what made her special. God chose her because she was already living a special life. She made a choice to live for God 100%, and God said, that's a vessel I can use. That's a pure vessel that I can fill with a purpose, a purpose for my son. Now, you and I, sometimes we impose our world on the Bible, but when you talk about being betrothed to someone, we think, oh yeah, they were engaged. But that's not what, in, that's not what this was in, in the time of Jesus. In the time of Mary, if you were betrothed to someone, it was literally you were, as, you were married to them, you just were not consummating the marriage, you were not living under the same roof, you were not having sex, we could say it a thousand different ways, and the middle school kid inside of you, when we talk through this message, is going to be popping up all the time, to take control of yourself here. But like the whole, the whole time, they are together, but they're not together, and it, it's often said in Jewish literature, the, the, the virgin who is a widow, because if you were, in, you were betrothed to someone, and that man that you were going to marry died, you inherited all of his possessions because you were considered his spouse in this phase. I mean, engagements are kind of broken, right? I had a friend of mine who used to dive off of the pier in, in uh, Rhode Island, off of one of the beaches, and he would, he would find rings out there. Some girl would be like, stupid. And you'd just be like, yep, that's, I'm going to get that ring, right? And then, mo you know, most people are like, what did I just do? You know, <laughs> you're never getting that ring back. Davy Jones has it. But if you're betrothed to somebody, um, she, I just think about Mary, right? She, she had it probably imagined her whole life what it would be like to find Mr. Right. Because often we bump into Mr. Wrong before we find Mr. Right, don't we? Right? She, she's kind of got an idea of, I want someone who's going to be like this. And she pictures her family there. She pictures that day. And here, the truth is, is this girl is living a life. And so she's, you could say she earned the right to hope for a day that would be special and would, and, and all of a sudden God shows up and just, says, hey, by the way, you're going to carry the Son of God, and I know you had all of these plans, but that was plan A, but that really wasn't my plan. This is going to feel like plan B, but this is what I'm going to do with you. And Mary turns around and she says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. What's funny is last week when Pastor Dylan was talking about Zachariah and Mary's cousin, who's married to this guy, Zachariah, and the birth of John the Baptist, when this man, who seems like such an incredible man of God, I mean, he's in the presence of God, he's at the altar of incense, an angel appears. In fact, not just any angel, the same exact angel that we're reading about now, Gabriel, the great messenger, says, behold, I am, I am Gabriel, the one who stands in the very presence of God, an angel who continually stands be before God Almighty, comes down with a message, and he doubts the validity of that message, and instantly the angel says, well, you won't be able to speak for a period of time, but when the time comes, you, you call him John. That's how it's going to happen. I mean, you would think that the, the pastor of the church would have caught it 
But oftentimes what I find is that the greatest works that God does is not from the people up here, it's from the people down there. And instead of going to Jerusalem and the temple, he goes into the middle of nowhere to, to Nazareth and finds a girl and says, there's somebody that I can do something. He's not impressed with the, the temple in marble and gold and all of the fancy fanfare. God is just looking for somebody who can let him have all the glory and they just say, God, whatever you want to do, do it because your servant is here to serve you. What do you do when your plan A becomes plan B? I think Mary would teach us that we need to say, Lord, I'm your servant. That's literally a word for a slave. It's funny, in the back of service before we were talking, Pastor Dylan just rambles out all these Bible facts, but a little unknown fact is James, the book of James, really practical book, by the way, should read it a hundred times. And James is actually the brother of Jesus. He's the half-brother of Jesus. Mary and Joseph had children after Jesus. James is Jesus's brother. And he starts his book off not as, hey, the half of Jesus, that's half me and me too. You know, he doesn't make any claim. He says, James, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He's not name-dropping. He's not status-standing. He calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ. That's pretty tough to do for big brothers, though. I don't know if my brother's watching, Charlie, but it ain't happening. Here's a, can I just throw a random fact at you? I just have to get the teacher at out here for a second, but a lot of people, sometimes we think we have, like, Judaism figured out as Christians, and we think we have the secret truth or whatever, Everybody puts so much stock in Jesus being the son of David because he has to, right? Like, now, to be the son of David, literally, who, who's the son of David? Solomon was the son of David. And so you'd have to trace your lineage all the way back to David. But the reason David was king over God's kingdom was because he was a man after God's own heart, not because of his lineage. If you look at, if you look at the the two places where they give the genealogy of Jesus, I don't know if you've ever looked at it really closely, but so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. Two things pop up consistent in both of them. Both of the genealogies, they're of Joseph. Look at this. It says that talking about Jesus, he was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. And then, and this is Luke, and Luke travels all the way back to Adam. So basically, what Luke is trying to do is he's writing to these people outside of the Jewish world, trying to tell the story of Jesus, and he's saying, hey, listen, this is history. This is not some myth. This isn't like demigods like Achilles and Hercules. This is this thing that happened with Jesus. It's the real deal. But let me just give you a connection point as Gentiles, because I know that you don't know anything about Judaism but I want you to see that, that this man travels all the way back to Adam, which is the first Adam. So at technically, every single one of us are family. But then Matthew has to speak to a Jewish audience, so what does he do? He does the courtesy drop, and he says, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Isaac, the son of Jacob, the son of Joseph, the son of Obed, the son of Jesse, the son of David, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then he goes on, and then he says, the son of so-and-so, the father of Joseph, 
the husband of Mary. Both genealogies show Joseph's lineage, but he's not Joseph's son. It's irrelevant. Why? Because what God was going to do and what God does in every single one of our lives is, is that he doesn't pick people because they're, they're tenured. And he doesn't pick people because the, of God, God is not interested in pedigree or socioeconomic status. What God is looking for are people like Mary who say, plan A is switching to plan B. Lord, behold, I am your servant, and let it be to me according to your word. So this comes into the real awkward moment. Try talking about this with junior high kids. Every Christmas, I just like, they're crazy. So as it is written, look at this. Can I, I'm just gonna, I want you to see this for a second, but through my eyes. It says this, it says that as it is written, and this is Matthew talking, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's actually quoting from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which we know is a very famous passage talking about the Messiah that's to come. Therefore, the Lord will, uh, himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and will bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What's interesting about that is, is a lot of liberal scholars will say that, well, you know, that word, it really doesn't mean virgin. It means a woman who's of the age to be married, but it doesn't mean that she's never been with a man. But if you look at the Gospels, they go out of their way. In fact, it says in Matthew a little bit later, he says, but Joseph knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. They had other children afterwards, but when Mary was found to be pregnant, Joseph is a righteous man, He's doing the same thing Mary's doing, and he says, you know what? I, I pictured something different in my marriage, but I also don't want to destroy this woman. The world is filled with people that will just, like, destroy you if you're in their way. Joseph, the Bible says, was a righteous man, and he was going to put the matter away quietly. My goodness, we need more men in the world like that, don't we? The angel comes to him in his sleep, the same angel says to him, Joseph, don't, don't divorce Mary. I know you're betrothed, don't divorce her because what's in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now this is right now, let's be honest, if, you have, if you're watching or if you're here and you've never grown up in church, you know, you could just picture, the Bible says Joseph's brothers and sisters didn't fully buy into him, right? So here he is growing up with the story. Sure, Jesus, sure, it's a virgin birth. Yep, mm-hmm. I used to always have this conversation when young people would come into my office and somebody's pregnant, and then, and then they'd be like, we don't know how this happened. And we're like, listen, <laughs> this is not the virgin birth, okay? So let's, let's get that straight right from the beginning. We know how this happened. But imagine the difficulty that Mary's dealing with here. It, it, it's insane. And not only does it go out of the way in Matthew's gospel, but in fact, that phrase to know someone actually is a Hebrew idiom, which I don't want to get too heady here, but shows that 
the background of Hebrew in the New Testament, which if, if I were to say to you something in Hebrew, like I spoke directly into your heart, it would, it would literally say, and he spoke into his ear. If you were talking about a husband and wife coming together, you would literally say that euphemism of Adam knew Eve. And so Matthew is going out of his way and he said he did not know her. And in fact, what's interesting is, is that when Luke talks about Jesus and his conception, it says, she, Mary's like, how will this happen? Because I am a virgin. And the word that's there isn't that word that everybody else is using. It's, in, in fact, a phrase where she says, how can that be? Because I have not known a man. I believe that Jesus, just say amen if you can agree with this. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he did, whether you know that yet or not, he did. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe that he has forgiven our sin. I believe that he is preparing heaven where we will live with him for all eternity. I believe that every tear will be wiped away. Sometimes when you give thought to those things, they sound a little bit crazy. And I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, and it's like, hmm. What's beautiful about the language of this so God says the Holy Spirit to Mary through the angel, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. What's amazing about that is that it's the same concept of God creating. The breath of God that breathed life into Adam the breath of God, it's said in Judaism, they said there are three people involved in every child's birth, the mother, the father, and the breath of the Holy Spirit. And God says, I'm going to bypass this because my son has a purpose, because only he can do for humanity what needs to be done. And now think about this. Luke is going into a world, a Greek world. In those days, I mean, today, you know, we have Hollywood stars, but in those days, there were heroes. There were demigods. Oh, well, I totally get that, you know? Like, like uh, uh, Zeus had a child with this earthly woman. He appeared to her as a man, and boom, out popped Achilles and Perseus and, and Hercules. And, and yet the language that Luke is using here is going out of his way, so his, his, the people he's trying to reach understand, like, no, 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 we're not talking about that. We're talking about the God that created the universe just bypassed that whole process and created within Mary something that from what was there, he put his son into Mary, but here's the, here's the crazy part of this. Half, half of him will be Mary, and half of him will be God. This is where the story gets a little crazy for me, because when Jesus pops out of the womb, and he's God, he pops out and goes, Pelez-vous Francais? Agua, please. I'd like to eat. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? I mean, like, did he pop out of the womb because he was God and he could speak every language on the face of the earth? Solve every problem? 
able to do trigonometry, trigonometry and calculus. And see, we often rush to the divine aspect of who Jesus is, and we miss the beauty of the story. I can't relate to Jesus as God, but he went out of his way to relate to me as a human being. Which means this created a problem in the early church, and it creates a problem for us today on how we view Jesus. Is Jesus like, if he's completely God, then it's like, well, of course he's not going to be tempted in the wilderness. He can't be because he's God. Of course he's not going to run away from the cross. He won't because he's God. I don't believe that in those moments he was any less God, but I also don't believe that he was any less human. When he was in Gethsemane, and he was saying, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I wonder if it wasn't the fact that he was divine, but it was the fact that the way his human mother Mary put grit into his soul, he was able to say, not my plan A, plan B be done. God, behold, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. You see, we look at Mary's world, and we always hear it in King James. Behold, an angel, light shined around. The angel came in and just said, I'm going to rock your world. I mean, a woman that would have experienced this if God didn't say they lived happily ever after in this situation, she would have been, she, she probably would have lost her child to starvation. She would have been shunned from her family. I mean, this, this angel comes in and says, this is going to be a great work, but it's a great work, but he's not giving her the details and saying, and you won't have to worry about what you'll do or how people will look at you, and you won't have to worry about where you're going to get your provision, and you, you don't worry, plan A will always fall into place perfectly. The angel just said, this is what God's going to do. He wants to use you, but she wasn't given any promises of, of anything, and she comes before God the way that you and I need to be every single day of our life to say, oh God, when my plan A becomes plan B. Your B was A all along. Lord, here I am, your servant. Do what you want. Have your way with my life. Tell me what you want, and you can do it. May it be to me the way that you say it. And thank you. Although I've had moments where my plan A, I, I've held that so tightly. I I think, it, I think Mary shows us that God's saying, listen, there's a reason why in James it says, don't say we'll go to this place and do this and that, but just rather say if the Lord wills. When was the last time you, you asked God, where you had a decision and you said, God, I really want this, but I only want it if you want it. That's a tough prayer. That's basically you bringing your plan A to God and saying, here it is. What, what I've come to find is, is that at the end of the day, following the will of God just means following the, will, the willingness to deal with the life that God has given you. There's nothing wrong with making plans. There's nothing wrong with achieving goals. Let me, let me say that, especially those of you that are achievers right now, you're squirming. You're like, but, but if you don't take charge of your life, nobody else will. You know, just... It's okay to aspire for things, but you cannot live the life of your goal. You have to live the life that God's given you. And that's when you have a moment to be a spiritual person, 
to say, God, I know I have this plan, but I'm hit here, and I just want you to know, not my will, your will be done. What's crazy about this story as I kind of wind this down and close, if you look at the oldest images of Mary, they're always very humble and simple. That's Joseph, and Mary is nursing the child. And then here you've got another one, which is like practically like 120 years after the time of Jesus. Mary's just simply getting water, and the angel shows up. And then later on, people start putting Christian art on their coffins, you know. It's like, kind of like coffin tattoos, and they, they put the Bethlehem scene, and the guy is on the far left, and you've got the three wise men, and you've got, you've got Mary and the baby, and Joseph, and maybe an angel. You've got the star above it, and it, it all looks great. And the church started talking about Mary, and they're like, who, who is Jesus? Is he fully God, or is he fully man? Is he half God? Is he half man? How does, what does this mean to us? And all of a sudden, the, the, the Roman Empire and the Catholic Church kind of married, and they put a crown on Mary, and said she is the protector of the purity of the Roman Empire. And then she moved into the seat of being an advocate, and Jesus is completely removed from the picture, and now you're encouraged to bring your prayers to Mary because who else could have the heart of a son than a mother? You have to understand something about me. I grew up in the Catholic Church my whole life. I believe and know many, many Catholic people who are very, very godly, who love Jesus with all of their heart, who have their life, they're just a lot more approaching God in ceremony, but Mary was never put as God, but she's considered the advocate to God. And when I read in the New Testament where it says that we have but one advocate to the Father, and his name is Jesus, I understand as well-intending as this was the only person that can help you is Jesus. The only person that Mary didn't die on a cross and raised from the dead. And I think that if you were to be able to have a conversation with Mary, she would be like, that's not me. In fact, when the angel comes up to her, the word for grace is used in the greeting. Great grace to you, you gracious one. The Lord is with you. And then later on, the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace, or we translate it favor in the eyes of God. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Thank you for, for that, Lord. But grace is God doing for us and giving us things that we don't deserve. And all of us are living on the grace of God on a regular basis. And, and God co comes to Mary and says, Mary, you caught God's attention. And out of all the people in the world, oh my goodness, you are so favored and so chosen. And God didn't make Mary blessed because he chose her, because she was picked. She was living a blessed life, and that's why God chose her. But the reality is, is that God said to her, listen, a sword's going to pierce your own heart through this. This is going to be a painful journey for you. But Mary said to the angel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. I don't read of any other in too many moments other than what we're going to celebrate here on Christmas Eve in 30 minutes. But most of Mary's life, you don't really read a lot. This was a powerful moment. Some of the most incredible moments of your life 
can happen in a very short period of time. Don't underestimate the significance of the moments that God's put you in, in deference of looking for the goal that you miss the moment. Some of the greatest things that God will do with your life will happen in a moment. And Mary was ready for that. Are you the kind of person that if God were to come to you and mess with your plan, that you would say, Lord, I'm your servant. Not my will, your will be done. Because when Jesus was praying that prayer, I don't think it was God in him that was doing it. I think it was the human side of him. Because he understands and can look at you and say, I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to have to say no when everything inside of you says yes. Otherwise, how can we even relate to him? How can he even be a savior? But yet, he also possesses within him God who can forgive us of our sins, defeat death, hell, and the grave, has prepared a place for us. That's the side that I celebrate, but the part that I understand is found in this moment of Mary that she instilled in him. And every single moment that I see a difficulty, Jesus facing it, where he has to choose in a human sense. I don't see God. I see Mary. I see Mary not as a divine being, but I see Mary as a mom who raised and poured into her son in such a way that says, sometimes no and not my will bring the best blessings. And that's how you came to us. So I was willing to let God throw a bomb on the plant. What do you do when your plan A becomes plan B and you realize that that was God's plans all along? You respond like Mary and say, Lord, I'm your servant. I want you to watch this video as we bring this to a close just to capture what I think is the heart of that moment better than my words.
think sometimes we make the will of God and the best that God has for our life just too complicated. If we trust him, then we trust him. Not with the life we want, but with the life and the opportunities that he gives us. And I'd like for you, whether you're here in this room or maybe you're at home, it'd probably be awkward for you to stand, but I just wonder if we could stand for a moment as Mary Evelyn plays for a second here, and we just create a moment. You know, I, I realize that sometimes the greatest opportunities that God has had for my life have been missed, not because I didn't want to grab them, but because I was holding on too tight to something else. And in order to grab onto God, we have to be willing to let go of some things. This holiday season brings up all kinds of stuff that we rejoice, but also sometimes that we regret. We look back and we're angry with family members that we don't even, we couldn't even tell you why we're angry at them anymore. Maybe the problem is that we could describe to the detail and God's saying it's time to, to let go of that hurt because I want you to grab on to this purpose that I have for you. I, there are things in the Bible that are talked about that just some of us can't understand. You know, as guys, I can say as a guy, when I, I don't know what it's like to carry a life inside of me. I remember the entire time my wife was pregnant, I was like, oh, we're having a kid, we're having a kid. And the night that she was giving birth, I was like, we're having a kid. It just doesn't even hit us. And yet you're so mindful of that life inside of you. And it's kind of weird, you know, sometimes when extreme views are carried and over-spiritualized and we say, we want to birth things in the spirit and, you know, realize how most guys look at that and like, this just is too weird for me. I just can't relate with this. But maybe you could relate to this idea. That maybe not get birthing things, but spiritually being vessels, people that are available to God to bring life into this world, to bring God's purpose into other people's lives to realize that you are capable of so much more and that God loves you so much greater than you feel and that he wants to use you in incredible ways. But you've got to be willing to let go of plan A and come to grips that plan whatever it is in front of your life is all that you have and to embrace that. I'm not saying give up goals and those of you that are achievers among us, I'm not, I'm not foolish enough to... But there's some things that we have to let go of. Whether you're watching online or you're right here, I wonder if you'd close your eyes with me and you'd bring your attention to those things. Maybe you're like, ah, just, just say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, through the power of your Spirit, show me what am I holding on to that's getting in the way of holding on to you? Father, help us to let go of this life and hold it very loosely. And that all things that we do, we do for the glory of God. 
Help us to know that we're loved by you, that you don't choose superheroes or Queen Marys. You, you use just typical people like us who are just saying, God, I'm available to you. I'm your servant. May it be according to your word. Lord, there's some that are here today, and as you, you were speaking through your presence and through your word, they're, they're like, I, I want God to use me, but man, if I was a cup, nobody would want to drink out of my life. Lord, I pray right now, if that's their heart, that they would make that known to you and that you would wash them clean, that you can give us a fresh start, a new beginning. If you're here today, if you would just close your eyes across this room, church, if you're here today and you're watching online even and you'd say, Pastor Paul, I feel like that cup. I want God to use me, but I just, just feel like if I was a cup, nobody would want to drink out of my life because it's, it's filled with so much filth. But if, if God's willing, I would love for him to cleanse me this morning here. If that's you, just lift your hand up and put it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the place. If Jesus was looking for a clean world, he never would have come to this place. He came to make us clean. That's the good news. And Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, we just pray by the power of your son through the payment of the cross that you would begin to help our head and our heart catch up with the truth that you have forgiven us of our sins. And now, Lord, with our hands free and our lives clean, we say to you, hear your servants. Give us something, Lord God. Fill our lives with something to bring the life of Jesus into the world around us. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just am going to have... Mary Evelyn, play gently in the background. Some of you have places to go, people to see, things to do. We, we just ask if you have to slip out, just slip out quietly. But some of you want, might want to take a moment and just say, I remember years ago, one of my pastors said this. He said, you know, there comes a point when we make amends with God, but then you can take a moment to say, God, probe deeper. Search me thoroughly. My encouragement is, is that you take that moment to say, God, Reveal to me, speak to me. God speaks in gentle, quiet moments and, and one's here, but we know that not all of you can do that and you're welcome to go as you, as you need to, but let's just be mindful of those that are here. God bless you. The Lord loves you. I love you. He has good things for you. God bless you. Thank you again for being with us today. If you want to watch this or listen to it again, you can always go to YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And for all news and updates about what's happening here at the church, you can go to ne-cc.org or lowellag.org. Thank you and God bless.